This is Shi'ar Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series taught at our Sunday services by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. The current sermon is from the Book of Judges, Chapter 17, and last time, Pastor began the sermon by discussing the looseness and freedom that existed in Israel at this time of the judges when there was no kingship. He looked at Moses' direction in Deuteronomy chapter 12 that, when they would enter the promised land, every man was not to simply do whatever was right in his own eyes. Rather, it was important for them to find and establish the one place of worship where the Lord God chose to make his name abide. Now let's rejoin Pastor Greg as he continues the Sunday sermon. And the judges were not a monarchy. They were not to establish some strict governmental rule. Rather, God's anointing was supreme. They didn't need a human king. God was their only king, and they should react to and follow the guidance of the leaders as he anoints them. And you see the freedom as the Spirit moves over here, and then he moves over in this part of Israel, and he picks men and women as there's a need, but no very regimented institution or organization is formed. Rather, God's Spirit raises individuals up, and the people are in relative freedom. But what do the people do? They abuse their freedom. They don't want God's way. Everybody wants their own way. That's the danger of liberty. A person becomes so free that they feel free from God. And they want their own way. And you have to remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 5. He says, you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all the tribes. It's important for them to find that place as they're in this promised land. And remember, the book of Judges happens over hundreds of years. They're supposed to concentrate on finding that place. They should desire to have the one central place to bring that tabernacle, that ark, to rest. To have the site that God tells them later on in in verse 11 of chapter 12, As we read, he says, this will be the place the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And that's where you bring all your offerings. In chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, he says, this is chapter 16 and verse 2 of Deuteronomy. Therefore you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. So it was important to have this place even for the celebration of the feasts, even for the celebration of the Passover. When they come into the land, the ark, for the most part, rests, the tabernacle rests at Shiloh. Shiloh is a city north of Bethel in the territory of Ephraim. Remember, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, because Reuben himself loses his position as the firstborn son because of his sin to his father. Joseph, who is not the firstborn, but who is the obedient son who delivers his brothers and his father from the famine, 
Joseph receives the right of the firstborn. And when Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, before Jacob, though Manasseh is the older, Jacob, by the anointing of the Spirit, blesses Ephraim, the youngest son of Joseph. So Joseph's son Ephraim receives the blessing of the firstborn. And that's the first tribe to receive any type of permanence for the tabernacle. In the tribe of Ephraim, at Shiloh, the ark rests for a time. You read in Joshua chapter 18. Joshua chapter 18 and verse 1. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. So that's where the ark of the covenant, that's where the tabernacle first comes to work. And during the book of Judges, Shiloh served as Israel's religious center, but it wasn't permanent. The ark is still in a tabernacle, it's not in a temple. We'll see also that at this time there's a lot of problems at the tabernacle. We'll see that when we get into Samuel. And we'll see that God actually rejects Joseph and then he chooses Judah as a tribe where the ark will be permanently placed, specifically in Jerusalem. But for hundreds of years, there's really no active, no activity to seek out the place, a special place that Moses told them about. It's not until you come many years later to the time of David, after the time of the judges, that David has it in his heart to build a house for God. And obviously this place is important in the law. It's a center of worship, it's a standard, it's a permanence, it's a symbol of authority. It's the one place that we worship, that we bring our offerings, that we go for guidance, where the priest has the Urim, the Thummim. David, later on, after the time period we're studying, desires with all his heart to build this permanent house for God. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 5, Nathan the prophet gives the word of God to David. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. 
So God is saying from the time of the judges, they've moved around, there's been this tabernacle, this tent, but he will choose a place in response to David's desire to build him a house. And so what Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy will come to fruition in the time of David's son Solomon. David himself will make the plans for the temple and the one resting place, the site that will be the center of worship. And you see today, in current events, the most important place historically and in modern times is the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem from that point on will be the focus of worship. In 1 Kings chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 15, this is Solomon speaking, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now he has chosen. Now he's chosen the site. In Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 12, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And lastly, Psalm 78 and verse 67. It says, moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. So again, you read how Ephraim the location at Shiloh is rejected. It was temporary. Even as the people's hearts during the period of Judges, it's temporary toward God. And he settles on Judah, and he settles on Jerusalem as the permanent site for his dwelling place. But they were not, at the time of Judges, which we are looking at, they were not so concerned for this one place, for this one center of worship, for this symbol of authority. Not only that, but over and over we'll read, and we have read, that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the false gods. For that matter, there would not have been all the problems and the sufferings if they obeyed God's word, nor would there then be the need to raise up these saviors, these deliverers, these judges. You still would have needed judges for the judicial matters, for small governmental matters, but the main impact of delivering would not have been needed had the people obeyed God. They would hand themselves over to the enemies by their disobedience to God. When they would follow a foreign people's gods, disobeying Deuteronomy chapter 12, they would fall into the hands of that people, and then God would have to raise up a deliverer. In their freedom, everyone did what was right in his her own eyes. So because of their hard-heartedness and their rebellious nature, given a lack, if you will, of strong-handed authority in the book of Judges, that they have this freedom, it leads then to a perversion of authority. 
So their freedom, absent of holiness, becomes a stumbling block to them. And we'll see this clearly as we study in the book of Judges the account of Micah in Judges chapter 17. And the study is not just historical in value. It addresses the hyper-liberty attitude that's in some of our society today that basically says that anyone can do anything they please. More than that, not only can you do whatever you want, whatever you please, whatever feels right to you, but no one should say that it's wrong. If you say some type of activity is wrong, you become wrong because everyone should just do what's right in their own eyes. It sounds like modern society today. And at the time of the book of Judges, in their freedom, the perversion that they follow is similar to some of the perverse attitudes we have in American society today. We are so happy that you were able to join us for our study today. We love to hear from our listening audience. So if you have any comments or words of encouragement, please send them along to us. Also, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting our church's evangelical outreach. Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We would also like to extend an invitation for you to join us for Sunday service if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area. Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Sheer Jeshub.